0: Hello and welcome to the Good With Money Smug Money podcast, a podcast to help you be better with your money. My name is Rebecca Jones. I am editor of Good With Money. Today I am joined by Simon Clements, who is co-manager of the Lion Trust Sustainable Investment Team. Today we're going to be talking all about global markets, which is Simon's speciality. OK, Simon, thank you so much for joining us today. We would like to talk a little bit about what happened in global markets last year. It was a little bit dicey. Both the S&P 500 and the FTSE 100 saw some serious tumbles. China was a big talking point. Trump trade war was a big talking point. It would be really good to see your view on what happened last year and, and what you think might happen next year. But for now, give us a, an overview of, uh, of last year.
1: Yeah, thanks, Rebecca. Um, yeah, 2018 was um, a year that investors are you know, quite happy to turn their back on. It was um, an interesting fact. It was the only, there's only been two, it was only, sorry, the third year since 1900 that both bonds and equity markets have both fallen at the same time, Jeez. i.e. underperform cash. The first time was in 1931, which was the start of the Great Depression. And the second time was in 1969, which was at the start of the Vietnam War. So clearly a very difficult year. I think we need to put it in context, given that 2016, particularly the second half of 2016, where central banks started cutting interest rates after the Brexit vote, and 2017 were very, very strong periods of um, both market um, performance across the world and also economic performance globally. So we'd come off the back through the middle part um, of an economic expansion, we'd had very, very strong performance, very, a synchronised global upturn where all the large economies in the world were experiencing positive um, growth and positive improvements in growth. So we came into the year and what, what we've got, we've got two key headwinds which have been emerging. The first is that the US Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. As you'd expect, the unemployment rate in the U.S. is below 4%. We're nearly at full employment. The economy doesn't have much slack, and interest rates are still very, very low. So the prudent thing to do is raise interest rates. And the second thing, which probably isn't so prudent, is um, the Trump administration's um, trade war that they're taking on across the world, and particularly China. Now, you know, the U.S. administration feels that the Chinese have gained an unfair advantage over the last 20 to 30 years as they tried to move up the technology, basically move up the technology curve within some key industries. And the the real gripe they have with that is that in order for a US firm to get into China and sell into China, they feel they're being coerced into sharing their technology. At the same time as the Chinese government is um, putting large amounts of money into these industries, creating an unfair competitive advantage for the Chinese firms. Some of that's obviously true. Um, the issue is that tariffs, low tariffs, as we've experienced for the last 30 years, are good for everybody. They help U.S. companies because U.S. companies can go and you know, move parts of the supply chain into places like China and across Asia. Obviously, it helps with uh, reduced costs, improve margins, and it makes goods and services cheaper in the U.S., so raising tariffs, while it does hurt the Chinese, it also hurts the U.S. firms and U.S. consumers. And it's inflationary. So tariffs, you know, you read an economic textbook. Tariffs are both contractionary. They may grow slow. They're also inflationary. And when you combine that, the issue that we have rising interest rates, rising inflation anyway, the U.S. Federal Reserve is having to raise interest rates. tariffs further um, worse in that situation. So you have to raise rates more. So the chance of a policy mistake started to come into investors thinking, particularly in the second half of the year. And we experienced, you know, extreme volatility, particularly December was very, very volatile. Also October, what's now been named Red October. So Mm. the last quarter of 2018 was a very, very difficult um, period for investors across the board. And as I say, we've come into 2019 with, you know, investors sitting, you know, almost across the board on, on negative returns.
0: Yeah. Now, things seem to have settled down a bit. Now, we've seen a little bit of a bounce. The last time I checked, anyway, we saw a little bit of a bounce in US markets, especially. I think UK markets are kind of sitting and waiting to see what exactly is going to happen come March. But China seems to be a story that people are are becoming more comfortable with. Um, Growth is slowing down. Trade with the US, there seems to be some negotiation coming in there. Are we starting off the year Setting up for another fall, or is everyone just leveling off and calming down a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, equity markets because they fell so much towards the end of the last year, you know, bad news gets starts to get priced in, and then we move forward and we actually work out what the news actually is. So mm. it's clear that both China and the US are incentivized to come up with some sort of compromise mm. because, as I say, it's going to hurt both economies, it's going to hurt people that vote for Trump as well as you know the Chinese. Um, You know, people who, you know, as growth slows and the economy gets hurt, everybody's incentivized to kind of find a deal. The issue is that the Chinese probably aren't going to completely bend to what Trump wants because, you know, what they're trying to do is, you know, they're thinking over the next 10 or 20 years, they want to move their economy, you know, into the next level. You know, with the Trump administration, he wants a kind of fairer playing field probably the most likely outcome should be some sort of compromise. So potentially the Chinese open up, you know, come up with a deal where potentially they open up more goods and services to, to US companies. Um, and, um, you know, Trump backs down on the tariffs. He can back down very quickly on the tariffs. So, I mean, he wants to find a deal. So that's, you know, calm markets to a degree. You know, we the markets are assuming that possibly they're going to find a compromise that they're sitting down and talking. Uh, that, that deal hasn't been reached yet. But mm. as I say, both sides are incentivized to do it. It's, as we've learned about politics in the last two or three years, these things are very difficult to predict exactly mm. what's going to happen. But we do know that there's a good chance that some sort of compromise should be reached. But don't expect the compromise to be, you know, a, you know, a full opening of China to, to, to the US and, and world markets because... It's just not really in the Chinese interest to do that.
0: Okay. So how dangerous is Trump for global market stability, really? How much do global markets really pay attention to what Trump is doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's clear, you know, things like he, he, he organised a massive st- fiscal stimulus at the beginning of last year, his tax cuts. Um, that clearly affected markets in a positive way. But you, there's an argument that, um, you know, tax cuts at the end of a, a long expansion cycle when the economy is, um, you know, where there's little spare capacity in the economy is potentially not that great a time to do it because all it does is, you know, force monetary policy to tighten more quickly. Um, so he, he has affected markets in that way. What, what, what we think is that the structural um, movements within the global economy. Aren't going to be that affected by um, Donald Trump or you know to a degree any politician. Mm. Um, so you know we, we think that the energy revolution will continue despite the fact that you know Trump has been trying to or he talks about trying to you know bring coal back into the U.S. energy mix. It's actually not happening. You saw G having all these problems recently. You know they're a big supplier into kind of coal turbines. Mm. Um, you know, and much of the kind of environmental legislation in the U.S. gets done at the state level, not mm. by the federal level. So we think these big structure. I mean, healthcare is another example. Healthcare. If you look at um, the U.S. economy last year, healthcare was actually you know one of the parts of the economy that's doing really well, despite the fact that the, the Trump administration has been trying to unwind Obamacare. Um, so you know we think that the structural elements that are going on you know the global economy needing to become more efficient more efficient with its energy use will happen regardless of of Mm. what um, the Trump administration wants and regardless of what they say um, there's not that much you can do to to change the fact that we need to um, you know try to find energy sources that you know emit less carbon and you know the technology is there to do that you know we believe investing behind it so short term, I think he can affect things. I don't think long term, the structural trends of the economy, I don't think it matters that much.
0: So that's a really interesting point that you put out there in terms of the the energy picture in the US, because obviously there's been a lot of concern around Trump very uh, very vocally pulling out of the Paris Agreement, the UN Paris Agreement. But then you have people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, go for president, talking about how California and other states are very, very pro making sure that, that the US moves towards a, a cleaner energy infrastructure. So from your perspective, you see that that is, that is in fact what is happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at renewable energy, I mean, it's still a small part of the energy mix, but it's growing very, very quickly. And you've got to remember that, you know, it's a technology. So the beauty of renewable energy is as you put more money in, the cost of it comes down, it becomes more efficient, whereas a resource is different. You know, the best bit of resource is the first bit you get out. That's the cheapest bit. The technology gets cheaper and cheaper over time. And if you look at the the adaption and the, um, the way that renewable energy has been um, basically growing within particularly developed economies, but even in places like China, Mm. it's growing very, very rapidly. So again, this structural trend is underway, we have, you know, we have the technology there to kind of change the way that we produce energy. um, And the technology is moving very, very quickly. So these trends are happening, and we see them happening. And we don't think that um, you know pulling out of the Paris Accord. I mean, it's not a positive thing. But again, you know, the, the, because the technologies are the genies out of the bottle, and you know most um, most economies across the world are actually um, you know really embracing the idea that we need to move to a more sustainable. Um, way of, you know, producing energy and using energy within the global economy, and that that, that, that trend is, is underway.
0: And that moves us nicely into talking about China, in fact, because as you just pointed out, China is investing a huge amount of money into renewable energy, and I think only last week they removed subsidies, which on the on the face of it looks like a bad news story, but actually it's because the market is becoming incredibly competitive. So China now seems to be the global world leader in that space. Is that something that you are that you're looking at within the portfolios is that a theme that you're tapping into or are you looking at China in different ways
1: yeah I mean again China's the second biggest economy in the world so you can't ignore it um, you know it, China's actually done a lot um, in terms of um, things like solar whereby they're producing that they've been producing large amounts of solar at very very um, cheap rates they've actually forced the 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 cost of solar down globally um, quite significantly um i mean the the main issue that china's had with solar is that um the industries which kind of um have been developing this really haven't been you know making too much money themselves it's been great for you know solar across the world it's not been a great investment so we haven't really um invested too much there because obviously what we're looking for too is you know great companies to invest in um i mean the chinese if you look at things like um you know ev adoption um you know growth in renewable energy ter- clean, you know areas where they clean up the environment you know we've got a, a great company in the portfolio which does remediation of things like rivers and lakes because obviously there's been a lot of pollution which has happened um over the last kind of 30 years as they've industrialized there's some great opportunities there and the chinese government clearly has a mandate um to clean up the environment um you know beautiful china is the the slogan that they use and you know that's creating some great investment opportunities and you know within china the people of china really are demanding um you know cleaner air um you know clean rivers clean lakes that's kind of it's not just about you know having you know the latest phone or latest gadget or new car it's also about your quality of life
0: So away from China and the US, obviously, they're the big headline stories, but we do have other things going on in the world, especially in the Middle East. We have Trump moving the oil price through his dispute with Iran and Saudi Arabia refusing to turn the taps off, which is continuing to depress the oil price. Is this something that you think about when you're constructing the portfolios?
1: Yeah, I mean, our approach to investing is we, we don't invest in any fossil fuels at all. So really, we, we're kind of looking beyond, you know, short term movements in the oil price, And really, we look at the global transportation um, system has been the, the one key area of the global economy that hasn't re- really reacted. Like 95% of the global transportation system still runs off fossil fuels, whereas other parts of other, you know, Parts of the global economy really have found you know proper substitutes where we can move away from this. So we you know we see the growth in EVs, which we see at a at a, at a turning point. Really, we think EVs are going to grow more than fifteen percent per annum past twenty thirty, and what that does is it shifts demand away from oil um, towards things like renewables if you can get them in your grid. So for us, we avoid the investment in oil. Um, and you know we we'd like to think long term about you know where the actual demands come from and we love electric vehicles and we're looking at areas um you know within the electricity grid that help you know improve renewable sources and help you know things like we're looking at things like battery, battery technology which allow things the problem of intermittency with mm-hmm. renewable energy um to be solved um, without you know the need for fossil fuels
0: yeah, that's a really exciting area—the battery storage area—at the moment. From what I understand, is that right? Yeah, I mean,
1: the, the I mean, battery storage is, is is it's going to be part of the long-term solution. The cost is still not there. A bit like solar and wind was, you know, fifteen years ago. The cost is really, really high. Yeah. But you, it's starting to starting to you know, as I say, technologies. As you invest in technologies, you know, as they get scale, as you become more efficient in the way you produce it. The costs come down and they become competitive, and we're at the early part of that for kind of large-scale battery um, adoption within the kind of elect- the, the, the global energy um, network. Um, but we think it's an exciting area, mm. and we see again we see it part of that long-term solution. And, and again, we're looking for areas that are growing, you know, and have a long a long runway for growth. And you know that, that that's the sort of thing that we're looking at at the moment. Okay.
0: And energy efficiency is also very important in terms of. Moving towards the lower carbon economy, global economy that we need to have, and that's something I think you focus on in your portfolios as well. Energy efficiency, is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, energy efficiency technologies um, are you know across um, the global economy are at the point where they are actually a real solution. Whether you're talking about you know great insulation, you know you know technologies within things like air conditioning, um, you know we have products out there. You have global leaders, people like Diakin and Kingspan, whereby their products the best product on the market and they can cut energy usage you know in half or more mm. so you know all of a sudden you have this solution which you know is is, is a leader so you know as as you know that these um, products and technologies grow and grow and grow you know the amount of energy we need to do the same thing cuts significantly and that's a big part of you know how we continue to grow as a global economy um, you know but You know, within a finite amount of resource and a finite resource where we need to emit a lot less carbon.
0: Yeah. Now, you're a global manager, but we are in the UK and everybody is very focused on Brexit and what might possibly happen over the next few months, um, particularly for investors in the UK markets. Do you have any views at all?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's obviously... It can't, can't be a question that you can't avoid. I mean, it's again, as I said, with politics, very, very difficult to predict what the exact outcome will be. Um, I mean, our view um, on this sustainable investment team is that if you look at um, UK, the UK equity market or UK assets, you know, even corporate bonds relative to, um, you know, comparable asset classes overseas, the UK market is now starting to discount a, a very negative outcome. Um, Now, again, it's very difficult to to predict exactly what will happen. But we think the chances of a very negative outcome, i.e. a no deal scenario, as relatively low, um, that you know, there's obviously no appetite, nobody wants it, there's no appetite for it within you know any of the, the, the politicians within the UK, the Europeans don't want it. And I think the general populace really doesn't want it. Um, you know, there's a very you know, with, there was 51.9% of people voted to go out. I don't think, you know, 51.9% of people would have voted out without a deal, given that, it, you know, it could be the economic fallout could be pretty um, Pretty sizable. So, you know, we think that that scenario is probably unlikely. We think that they'll, they'll find a compromise. Um, we think we're at the period of maximum volatility now, which, which you've seen. So, you know, really, UK um, equity markets, UK corporate bonds actually provide probably a decent, um, you know, decent opportunity because they, their valuation is really decoupled from, you know, comparable assets um, overseas. And the UK economy, you know, continues to be a, a pretty good economy. It's a strong economy. And, you know, can probably, um, you know, particularly if the, the outcome isn't, you know, something really, really negative, you know, we think the UK economy will, 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 you know, survive this and probably come out a lot stronger. And what you really just need to know is you need to take that uncertainty out of um, out of the equation, which mm-hmm. is, as I say, we're at the period of maximum uncertainty. So, you know, UK, um, UK assets look a pretty decent investment now, but, you know, be aware that, um, you know, that we are in the period of maximum volatility.
0: Okay. So getting your crystal ball out then, predictions for 2019 for the next year ahead. What do you think is going to happen? Are we going to see another big tumble on global markets? Or is everything going to go along nicely? Or? A yeah, big jump? I mean, I
1: think I think you kind of got up. I think that's, that there's, as I say, we think the Brexit probably the outcome for Brexit, if we kind of go into the middle of the year, probably should be more likely to be positive from here than negative for markets given that they've moved to discount um, a pretty negative outcome. I mean, the whole trade war situation, again, very difficult to predict, probably more likely that you're going to get some sort of compromise. So they're, they're, they're positive. But what, what's happening anyway is the global economy is slowing down. Interest rates are going up. We've been through a long period of expansion. And so you have this kind of slowing global economic momentum with possible positive catalysts from the political side. So, you know, we think that in that situation that markets probably can produce positive returns, but it's unlikely that they're going to be really strongly positive and there's probably going to be higher volatility. So, you know, you might get strong returns You know, if we get a positive outcome from either US, China or Brexit, but, you know, economic momentum is slowing. So, you know, things like earnings may come out, you know, potentially, you know, weaker than, than people expect. But you know, as, a, as somebody said to me, you know, the, the U.S. Wall Street has predicted nine of the last three recessions. So analysts <laughs> are very bad at predicting when recessions happen. If there is a recession, we think that it'll be shallow anyway, and it'll probably be the U.S. is most likely to go into recession first because it came out um, of of the global financial crisis first. Um, so it's possible, but it just the, the economy isn't overstretched enough to force into a deep um, a deep recession or a deep down a d- deep deep turn down.
0: So we shouldn't be taking all of our cash out of our investment accounts and stuffing it under the mattress just yet?
1: No, I, I don't think that you should do that. And I mean, particularly, uh, we, had a, we had a negative year last year, so, um, you know, still, you know, the, the global economy remains reasonably strong and there's some great, as I say, within a, within the economy, there's some great areas of growth, you know, particularly the areas that we, we, we like to look at, which I've spoken about, there's, you know, there's plenty of things going on. Which are, which are great investments to, to invest behind. And particularly, you know, if you can take a long, longer term view and, you know, ride out, you know, any, any shorter term volatility.
0: Okay. Well, there we are. Stay calm and carry on. Thank you very much, Simon, for joining us today on the Good With Money Smug Money podcast. I'm sure we'll see you again. My name is Rebecca Jones. I have been your host for today. See you again soon.